Today, in a break from typical practice, I want to draw our attention to the passage that is our epistle reading for the day. Our epistle reading is from the 10th chapter of the epistle to Hebrews and begins in the 11th verse. In order to understand the purpose of the epistle to the Hebrews, it is helpful to point out it is just what the name implies. The epistle, the letter to the Hebrews, is a letter written by a former Jew who has recently converted to Christianity to those Jewish people who had not yet become Christian. There are a lot of people who think that the letter to the Hebrews was written by the Apostle Paul. At one point, that belief was almost universal, but more and more Bible scholars are doubting that Paul wrote Hebrews for a variety of reasons, and for those reasons it does not seem likely that the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews. It seems more likely that it was some other Jewish Christian who was writing at the time. Ultimately, it is for us an anonymous letter because it lacks the opening self-identification of authorship that all of the other epistles in our Bible have. It does not open with words such as, I, Paul, write to you, or James, a servant of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, to the fill-in-the-blank, or any of the other ways that all the other epistles open with the name of the author of the letter. Instead, the anonymous author of the epistle to the Hebrews starts his letter with the words, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Here we have enough to know that the author is a former Jew, now a Christian, and is writing to other Jews. And we know why the author is writing. To tell those Jews, the Hebrews, that Jesus is the way. That God the Father had once spoken through the prophets, but now speaks only through his Son, Jesus Christ. And the author goes on, just slightly further in his opening remarks, to say that Jesus, after making purification for sins, that is, his sacrifice on the cross, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. From this information, we know that the author is intending to explain to his readers that the way they used to do things was only to get them ready for the Messiah, the Savior, and that now, in Jesus, all those past ways are no longer necessary. They have been fulfilled and replaced by what Jesus has done for us. That is why I want for us to spend some time exploring what is being said in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in the 11th verse, and what it meant to the first Jewish readers. And when doing that, compare it to what we, what we do when it comes to the sacrifice of the Mass. Because there are those out there Christians who do not understand the sacraments but mean well. They think they are helping us see Jesus' victory over sin more clearly. Who will criticize the sacrament? They will criticize the Eucharist. They will criticize the entire understanding that we have of what is going on. These people, like the woman last week who placed the gospel track on the table next to me, 
while I sat there in my black shirt and priest collar, slipped through the gospel track as she walked by so that I could read about how it is not through sacraments, but only by praying a single prayer of confession that a person becomes a Christian. Yes, we believe confession is required. I would argue even more so than the person suggesting that we pray and confess only once. But there's much more to our salvation and the Christian life. While the woman last week is mistaken in her concern that I am not or we are not Christians, I appreciate her genuine concern that people know Jesus as the Savior and her desire to spread that message. Others, however, are more vocal to the point of being downright rude. Others cast accusations with words such as, you keep trying to kill Jesus over and over again. Jesus made one sacrifice, and it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus is no longer on the cross. Why do you keep him nailed there? And whether they realize it or not, in the background of all these people's misunderstanding is this passage in Hebrews chapter 10, where we begin with the 11th verse. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I will warn anybody that might be reading along in your own copy of the Bible that we will come back here in a few minutes, so you might want to place a marker or ribbon in the text. Now let us look at the critics once more. Those who will say, you keep trying to kill Jesus over and over again. Jesus made one sacrifice and it was 2,000 years ago and Jesus is no longer on the cross. Why do you keep him nailed there? These well-meaning but misinformed people have been taught to say these things by ministers who have read this passage from the Epistle to the Hebrews and in their own anti-sacramental bias said to themselves and then to their congregation, see those priests over there at, and pick the name of your favorite saint church, they think that they're offering a sacrifice to God, but they're wrong. Because every priest is offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, their bread and their wine, which can never take away sin, because Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, and then sat down at the right hand of God. And with what they believe to be an absolutely, perfectly clear piece of evidence and proof from the Bible, they reject priests, they reject sacraments in general. They most certainly reject the sacrifice of the Mass that we have present in the celebration of the Eucharist. What they fail to realize, because the minister never told them, likely because he does not know himself, is that the priest the author is talking about in his epistle to the Hebrews, his letter to the Hebrews, are not Christians, but they are Hebrews and the priests of the temple. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews is telling the Jewish people that the 
oxen, the sheep, the grain, the oil, the birds, and all the rest that have been brought to the temple over the years to be sacrificed are no longer needed. Those sacrifices have been replaced. Those sacrifices that for years have been the only way to have sins absolved and gain atonement with God are no longer effective. Those sacrifices were there to prepare the people to understand that a perfect sacrifice was required. And at the same time, for the people to know that they were not giving perfect sacrifices, they could only give the best that they had as closest to perfect as they could get, but it was never perfect. And knowing that the old sacrifices were as good as I have, but not good enough, the people were supposed to yearn for the day that the perfect sacrifice would be provided by God and end the use of the imperfect. The author of the epistle to Hebrews is telling the people just that. There is no longer a need for the lesser sacrifices. Not only is there not a need, the lesser sacrifices have never been good enough. God only accepted them until the perfect sacrifice was made, and now Jesus has made that one perfect sacrifice. And now that Jesus is that one perfect sacrifice, God no longer accepts the old imperfect sacrifices. They have all been replaced by the sacrifice of Jesus the epistle to the Hebrews comments against priests repeatedly making worthless sacrifices. But that comment has nothing to do with Christians and the Eucharist. Ah, but the critic will say, Jesus made one sacrifice and you try to make sacrifices over and over again. But that person does not understand is that there is no new sacrifice as they think there is, because that is what they've been taught. The sacrifice of the Mass is the one sacrifice of Christ. What the Church teaches is that the sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. It is by a representation, not a representation, a representation that takes place in the Mass of the single sacrifice that Jesus <clears throat> excuse me that the sacrifice of Jesus that we almost 2000 years later we can benefit from that one single sacrifice and its power it is why the author of the epistle to the hebrews continued explaining to the hebrews after talking about the now ineffective temple sacrifices offered repeatedly in vain, remember, the epistle to the Hebrews has the purpose of explaining how once was is now replaced. The author therefore continues in his epistle to the Hebrews, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. We now enter the holy places through the body and blood of Jesus, a sacrifice made once for all time and now made present in all times through the Eucharist. Just as Jesus said over the bread and the wine at the Last Supper, this is my body and this is my blood. 
shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we are commanded to continue in the sacrifice of Christ, continue in the Eucharist meal until Jesus comes again because the sacrifice of the Mass is the sacrifice of Calvary which saves us. St. Gregory the Great explains it most beautifully. His sacred flesh and blood, this sacrifice alone has the power of saving the soul from eternal death for it presents to us mystically the death of the only begotten Son. Though he is now risen from the dead and dies no more, and death has no more power over him, yet living in himself immortal and incorruptible, he is here for us in the mystery of the holy sacrifice, where his body is eaten. There his flesh is distributed among the people for their salvation. His blood is no, no longer stains the hands of the godless, but flows into the hearts of his faithful followers." See then the sacrifice that is offered for us, ever reproducing itself in the passion of the only begotten Son for the remission of our sins. For who of the faithful can have any doubt that at the moment of consecration, at the sound of the priest's voice, the heavens stand open and the choirs of angels are present at the mystery of Jesus Christ, there at the altar the lowliest is united with the most sublime. Earth is joined to heaven. The visible and the invisible somehow merge into one. And finally, what are we saved for? We find our answer in one last look at the epistle to the Hebrews. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And there you have the list of duties given by God because we can and do enter into the holy by the body and blood of Christ. Hold fast to the faith, love one another, and do, good, do the good works that God has given us to do. Meet together in worship of God and encourage one another. Amen.